Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Produce Buzzers Podcast. We are so happy you have joined us today, and I think you will be too after the show is over, because you will learn a lot about fresh fruits and vegetables, how to select and store them, how to prepare and cook them, and surprising facts about their history and origin. We hope it inspires you to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, not only for your health, but also for your delight and pleasure as you explore their amazing world of taste and delicious flavors. Eating more of them will transform your life in so many positive ways. So settle back, relax, and get ready for another delicious adventure with the Produce Buzzers. Produce Buzzers fans, and welcome to another delicious episode of the Produce Buzzers podcast. I'm Edwin Stepp, your host and executive editor of ProduceBuzz.com. Our fearless leader, Teresa Nolan, a president and founder of Produce Buzz, can't make it today. She has some other uh, responsibilities she had to take care of. But I'm joined once again by Rick Stepp and Cynthia Benedetto, both contributing editors to Produce Buzz. Now, fruit and veggie lovers... We have a very special guest back on the show today, a woman who has been making a great impact in getting more people to eat fresh fruits and vegetables through her wonderfully creative content on her website, The Produce Moms, which is theproducemoms.com. You should visit. Lori Taylor is the founder and CEO of The Produce Moms, a global community on a mission to put more fruits and vegetables on every table. Prior to launching the Produce Moms, Lori sold fresh produce to grocery retailers for a regional wholesaler in her hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. The Produce Moms website features hundreds of recipes and educational content authored by Lori and her other mom colleagues. The popularity of the website has grown steadily over the last decade, and as a result, she often appears in the media as a chef and fresh produce expert. Her content has been featured by Oprah, Martha Stewart, GQ Magazine, Real Simple Magazine, HuffPo, Stylecaster, and many others. Her media appearance always include innovative and inspiring ways to prepare and eat fresh produce. She is also a seasoned keynote speaker, and she's received many accolades, accolades, including the inaugural Forbes Next 1000 initiative, which spotlights startup entrepreneurs that are changing the world through influence and innovation. Lori is also a fellow podcaster as the host of the Produce Moms podcast, which you can find at theproducemoms.com. She has just started a very interesting series there on the subject of food as medicine. We're going to ask her about that and how the idea is getting a lot of attention across many professional and scientific disciplines. She is the produce mom, but she is not going to pester you like your mom by telling you to eat your veggies. Instead, she is going to inspire you to love fresh fish and veggies and make it a delight in your meals like they should be. Thank you, Lori, for coming back to visit us again. We are delighted to have you back. Edwin, thank you so much. I've got to get as good at guest intros as you are um, <laughs> on my podcast. <laughs> I think you do a great job thank and uh, yeah. maybe I get too verbose sometimes. No, <laughs> it's beautiful, but it's also a little humbling to listen to that. So thank you. Um, I appreciate the warm welcome and the kind intro and the welcome back. It's great to be back with uh, you and Rick and Cynthia. Um Thanks. So yeah, food is medicine, hot topic right now, yeah. everywhere. And fruits and vegetables are the big winners in the That's in that true. entire what, movement. Nothing more healthy. You know, the, the idea is ancient. As you know, Hippocrates, who's known yes. as the father of medicine, uh, is famous for having said, let food be thy medicine. So the idea is ancient, but in our modern world, we kind of got away from it for a while. And now it's exciting to see the momentum it's gaining across all these different disciplines. Tell us what you're learning as you produce these shows on that topic. Yeah. So really the, to back up even before the mini series went live, I attended the food is medicine summit. It's the second year that the food is medicine summit has taken place this year. It was in Chicago, Illinois. I attended as a delegate, um, also in attendance from the produce industry included Tony Freitag, and he was there as a speaker talking about how Crunch Pack is a snacking solution. 
um, and you know, from the food manufacturer point of view. Right. So Crunchback are, are sliced yes. apples, aren't they? They they do other yeah. things other than the apples, or do they do? They, I mean, they're known as for sliced apples. That's their flagship, you right. know, product. But they really have evolved into, especially with uh, you know, the investment and partnership with Taylor Farms. They've evolved evolved oh. into all sorts of different value-added options, um, but all under the snacking halo or solution Got for it. our industry. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so him and I at the, you know, we're both in attendance at the summit. It, uh, there was, there was some other folks from post, but not very many. It was really not well attended by our industry. And I just think it was honestly one of those things that probably most of the folks in the industry didn't know about. Like I was solicited as, as a delegate, Tony was solicited as a speaker, um, and it was fantastic to be there and to talk to people from companies like Mars, um, oh, you know, wow. and say like, Hey, yeah. uh, team M and M's like, we've got some work <laughs> to do, you know? So, um, Very it was good. really, yeah, it was great to represent fruits and vegetables at that event. But what I learned was, um, just how vast the stakeholder group is. And that was the inspiration for doing the mini series on the podcast. And Tony Freitag is actually joining me as a co-host. So, um, you know, that's a new experience for me too. I know you guys all share the hosting <laughs> duties and mic here on this show, but like at the produce moms, it's the first time I've ever had a co-host. So it's been a fun learning curve for me too. Right. Can you elaborate more on what did you say about the uh, now it slipped out of my head the, the phrase you used about the people who were there. It seemed like a big cross section. All of the, the different stuff. Yeah. Tons yeah. of stakeholders, like the cross op co, like it was just amazing to me. Right. And we've had, so that you got to think it, it involves everyone from the medical industry and the research. So Tufts university has been such a catalyst for the food as medicine movement, <laughs> Milken Institute with their think tank, which is an intersection of public, private research, education. Um, they've been a real catalyst. We actually had Holly Freistag from Milken Institute was one of our guests that's um, within this mini series. So her episode's certainly a, a must listen to, to learn more about what they're doing to advance food as medicine. And they're really leaning into um, food prescriptions as oh. a means to, yes. Yeah, so, that's a big topic. So those two, you know, medical research, think tank, public private partnerships, retailers. Um, a lot of the retailers were represented at this event. Hmm. Uh, an, an unfortunate absence, in my opinion, of food service. Perhaps that's coming, but there really wasn't a strong food service presence. Um, there was, a ton of people from the insurance world. Um, that was really, yep. And we can talk more about that as the conversation goes yeah. on today, but the, the, the mag, the volume of stakeholders and technologies there. I mean, it's, it was amazing to me. Um, fruits and vegetables, farmers grow, you know, the wholesale distributors, our value chain is just one, one spoke in a wheel and spoke diagram of, of what is food as medicine and how does this initiative impact our country and how is it coming alive today? We're just literally one part of a very big puzzle here. Yeah. Excuse me. When you said that the retailers were, um, well represented, is that nationwide or like yes. So great question. Um, thank you, Cynthia. So I'm talking about my experience at the summit, you know, when right. I say no, well represented, but yeah. And at that event, I mean, Kroger was there, HEB was there, um, stop and shop was there. There were others, but those, Anybody they were all on eat? stage. Yeah. Speaking about their role. Um, grocery retailers are in a unique position. Certainly, you know, those that have pharmacies, and, and we have an episode coming up with Kroger and we ask them some of those tough topics. Like uh, you make a lot of money from prescription as well as OTC drugs. Like what, how is this not a conflict, you know? Right. Um, so that's actually our, our finale episode within the mini series. The last episode of the mini series with Kroger, it answers a lot of those questions. Like what is the retailer's role in this and how is the retailer 
who make, you know, we all know we're, we're in the produce industry. We know that you lose and you, you lose or you win in the grocery game with what's happening in the produce department. Right. However, you do make a lot of money from what's happening in the center store. You're making a lot of ad money off of that. Um, you know, and, yeah. and so how are you going, if you're a retailer, how are you going to go all in with the food as medicine initiative right. when in fact you're making a lot of money off of packaged goods sold in aisle eight or, you know, prescription yeah. meds sold in the pharmacy. So let, let's, let's, let me, inter- let's, let, let's uh, explain to our listeners who are mostly consumers and not in the industry. Yeah. What you mean by that? Uh, my interpretation is the produce section is what consumers judge their stores by, but that's not right. where the profit centers are primarily. Is that what you mean by that? Or. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, winning and losing in the grocery game is we want, people to choose to spend their entire budget at this store. And I think everyone tuning in with us can agree that we primarily choose to return to grocery stores um, based upon the quality of the produce department. Like it is not, and there's abundant amount of data from many different resources that can back that up. So that's what I mean when I say you win and lose the game of the grocery business game with your produce department. That is why when you walk into the vast majority of grocery retailers, produce is what greets you. Um, it's, it has a very large footprint that is maintained, you know, daily with merchandising, um, those are all things that you don't necessarily see in, you know, the cereal aisle necessarily, right. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of profit in cereal. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of big food companies behind the products that you see in that aisle that can also engage with the retailer in things like ads or promotions at a scale that, you know, your spinach farmer just cannot do, um, yeah. in, from our industry's values, and standards, it probably wouldn't even necessarily be, um, I, I think it could even be seen and I would love the three of yours opinion on this, but like, I don't even know if our industry would view that as a noble use of resources, right. um, to engage in some of the point of sale promotions that you see other, other consumer products engage with at, at yeah. grocery retail. And we've talked about that on the, on our podcast a few times that, you know, that produce department is where the judgment is being made often by consumers and where they need the most help in mm-hmm. figuring out what's on that shelf. You know, when you're buying yeah. a bag of potato chips, you know, it may be the price, uh, the, the texture, <laughs> you know, right. there's hundreds of uh, uh, skews on the potato chip aisle, but you don't really need somebody there to help you figure out. But in the produce yeah. department, you do. And so I think you're you're. I think the bigger problem is that these the produce the produce growers, shippers, suppliers really don't have the resources to no. to do that. And I think they would see the value in it if they could. But they gotta focus on farming and right. other the, other strategies to even increase demand um, right. and understanding, you know, break down the knowledge barriers that are and it, and it seems that, that that responsibility should fall on the retailer. So I interrupted you because you were no, that's, okay. that's where you were focusing on the retailers at this conference and what did you hear them saying uh specifically well, I, about I heard a couple things yeah anyway. really interesting things like one you know because I was also as a delegate there by and large to represent what what we're all passionate about you know empowering the fruit and vegetable value chain um my job was to ask those tough questions even at the summit. So yeah. I I asked the representatives from grocery retail um, live in the summit while they're on stage, like, hey, you know, how are you, how are you going to give a priority when it comes to retailer promotions to the healthiest foods in your store, specifically fruits and vegetables, um, if we are truly going to get behind this food as medicine movement? Good for and- you. <laughs> yeah. And it, I was very um, encouraged by the fact that a couple retailers have taken, um, like, for instance, their dietitians have moved to product sourcing, um, or they've made a deliberate shift where they have a nutrition presence within the buying office, where it used to really be uncoupled, where, you know, the RDs would kind of stay in their own lane. I, 
I'm yet to see if there's going to be actual influence. I think time will tell if there's going to be influence on, you know, who gets the market access, you know, what products are getting the POs, are they getting slotted in like the dog house or are they getting premier premium, you know, shelf space or merchandising support? Um, I think time will tell, yeah. but there, there is as produce prescriptions ramp up, um, and we have, we have health plans that are paying for food, um, whether it's medically tailored meals or produce prescriptions, the grocers have a lot to gain as it relates to incremental sales in the produce department. We have a lot to gain as produce industry, you know, passionaries. So since well. you brought, brought I, that up, the insurance, well, Santi, go ahead. If you have a no, question. I was just going to say that when we were traveling and we were doing support, for the different produce commodity groups to lending the support to retailers, not only would it be for, with the buyers, but it would be a lot at store level. And so sometimes it would be people that demo companies that were hired, but it would sometimes be us. And mm -hmm. I feel that there's not at store level, the commitment to education for any of the different clientele, you being a mom with small children, how do I get them to eat fill in the blank or right. me looking for inspiration for, uh, instead of my, my go-tos. And yeah. I find the reason I asked you if, if it was nationally supported or attended by retailers, because I find that where I live in the Southeast, it is like pushing a rope in terms of the knowledge instilled at produce level. I, know, I, I, I agree with you. We, we get yeah. And I think that it. it's going to be a, I think that's a challenge that's not going away, you know? And I think that it's a challenge that's threatening, not just our industry, you know, grocery retail and produce, but it's like every industry is facing a crisis when it relates to consumer service and education. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't know if we're going to, if we can realistically think that retailers are in a position where they're going to be able to adequately train and retain staff on the produce department floor that can be hands-on with shoppers, nor is it realistic to think that a shopper's going into a grocery store and wants it to be, um, you know, anything beyond a quick in and out, you know, we are, we are, the consumer behavior has changed dramatically, even you know, in light of the pandemic and post pandemic, as it relates to wanting things instantaneously delivered to their doorstep. Um, so the thought of like, Hey, I'm going to walk into the produce department and have a casual conversation with the manager about the difference of Washington cherries versus California cherries. And what are the best strategies on how to pit these so that I can give these to my, you know, toddler son, um, I just don't think that we're going to be able to turn to we're, I don't think we're, I think we're at the point where that's never going to return, you know, even at your highest end grocers, yeah, that, that makes it a perfect I just think it's something that's like, I remember back in the day, walking into like IGA stores here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we would get that level of service. You know, you wouldn't necessarily be able to get that at the big box stores, but at your independent grocers, you could get that. And it was, I, I credit that experience to the foundation of my passion today of working in this industry. I mean, I remember as a child thinking that the going to certain grocery stores was as exciting as, you know, a family vacation, even sometimes, you know, I mean, especially if there's samplings and yeah. all these things, I mean, it was really foundational in, in the growth of what today is my profession, you know? So I, I think it's a great question, Cynthia. I think we are in a very unique, we have a unique point of view and a unique void. When you think about the entire grocery store, the produce department, I think the data today is a, the average produce department in America has around 200 SKUs. And there's a lot of amazing fruits and vegetables that people never try because mm -hmm. there is a barrier to their understanding of how to select store and serve them. And that is where folks like you and I and other platforms that are preaching the gospel of fruits and veggies, that's where we come in to hopefully help fill that void. Because I do think that, and, and retailers can potentially lean into, you know, their evolving ecosystem too, whether it's their digital comms, what they're doing on packaging. I mean, most retailers 
are embracing private label. That's also not going to go away. Um, you know, as tough as it is for our industry to hear that when the growers are, you know, the growers and shippers are investing in their proprietary brands or their grower brands. The the truth of the matter is store brands at grocery retail aren't going away. Um, especially in the value added side, uh, you know, cut there. Yeah. 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 Anything in a package, like even bagged produce, you know, it's just not going away. We're seeing brands that I never really thought you'd see in a store brand, like Envy Apple, for instance. Yeah. They're now putting those Envy Apples in store branded bags. Hmm. Um, Still says Envy, of course, still has the trademark on it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's in, you know, like I live a mile from a Kroger. So it's in the Kroger bag as opposed to, you know, the gorgeous Envy bag. So, (laughs) Yeah. Very good. Well, let's get back to the insurance question because that was yeah. one of my uh, one of the questions I had that I really wanted to hear what you're learning there because we've we've touched on it as well, but uh, you you probably have a bigger uh, view of what's going on, especially coming from the summit. Insurance companies are starting to prescribe fruits and vegetables, correct? And is pay it- for them. I think oh. that there's been a, I think that the doctors and other, you know, medical professionals have been prescribing okay. nutrition or food as medicine to your point. Like that's an ancient concept, right? Right. But now that we have private insurance plans, as well as Medicaid and Medicare funding um, prescription or produce prescriptions and medically tailored meals, that is, that's, that was my biggest takeaway from the summit. Oh, interesting. It's these companies that the payers opening up, you know, the, the ability for, for whether you have private insurance or you, you're participant in one of the government healthcare plans, um, you have access to getting your food reimbursed either through produce prescriptions or medically tailored meals. That's interesting. And that is the game changer. And that was my biggest takeaway. I honestly, prior to going to that summit and listening and learning, um, I, I really felt like the retailers had the biggest onus here because they, you know, they're, they are the community institution that moves food, right? So you can't have food as medicine without retailers really being the leader. What I learned at the summit is it's really not the retailers being the leader. It's not us, you know, as produce industry growers, farmers, marketers, it's not us being the leaders. It's the fact that the healthcare plans are now paying for it. Now, so that that's was news always the me. hindrance. I, yes. we, we've been following the prescription of it. And right. I think I missed that. Uh, I, that. That's brand new to me. I did not realize they were actually paying for them. So that's yeah, and really I think that look how how. So does... I'm gonna yeah. I mean, I'm not in a position where I'm getting prescribed the. You know, I I I don't have, um, I don't have a pre-existing condition where part of my uh, personal health and wellness is going to include produce prescriptions. So I I'm coming at this with the listen and learn point of view, not like a patient point of view. So let's get that out there right now. There could be someone tuning in who has a very different user experience than what I'm explaining. So we're, you know, we're recognizing and honoring that, but the way it works based off what I learned at the summit is when you go, whether it's for preventative medicine or treatment, you know, medicine, you could have an, an existing condition, or you could be, um, you know, at risk for a, for a condition such as diabetes. And, um, at that point, your healthcare practitioner can prescribe you produce prescriptions and, or medically tailored meals, medically tailored meals can include everything from like, this is really good for pre-diabetic to type two diabetes, to you have heart disease, or you have really bad arthritis. There's so many different conditions that medically tailored meals can, um, you know, touch upon. And, Interesting. And, and is that, is that, does that take the form of some of the, um, the delivery meal kits? Uh, great question. It, it's actually easier than that because it comes to your doorstep or there are new partnerships that are taking place where medically tailored meal companies such as performance kitchen, are now being available at grocery retail. Okay. Um, 
And we have an entire episode with Mark Walker, um, who is hands down the leader in America as it relates to medically tailored meals. His company is the category leader. Hmm. Um, and what's the name of his company again? It's Performance Kitchen. Performance Kitchen. Okay. Yes. And um, so they, you can, you can go to their website and you can type in, you know, where you live, you can type in your healthcare provider. So like for me, I'm on Blue Cross Blue Shield. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. My health, I could pick it up at the hospital. I could have it delivered to my doorstep. There, there's so many different things and it's funded through, it's funded through my healthcare plan. And I could get up to three months of meals wow. included in my healthcare. It's not Is meant that... to be, it's meant to be an intervention the same way. Okay. Truthfully, medicine is meant to be an intervention. It's not meant to be something that you're on for the rest of your life, but right. there's too many people, especially in our country that are on medication. And is that three meals a life. day, three meals a day? Yes. Wow. Yes. Three months. There's three some months plans and there, and then that's where it turns into, you know, the lobbying and the, all the business side of things. There's some, there's some programs that do three months. There's some programs that do 10 days. As we all know, 10 days is not a long enough intervention to change a habit such as how you're going to eat. That's a really yeah. big, that's a really strong habit to turn around. Right. Um, so that's what Mark and his company are fully focused on is expanding it to get as many meals possible. And they're really targeting, you know, they think 30 days is like the minimum. Um, but, but there's that, a lot that's of, that's kind of the wisdom of changing a habit, isn't it? 30 days. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and so it's, you know, it, that's what, that's what I, my biggest takeaway was it didn't matter who you asked. Everyone says, and we've, we asked this question, even in our podcast series too, like who is the leader in this movement? And everyone says it's the, it's the payers, it's the health plans that are yeah. paying for this. And if you are a small business owner that that pays for it. It's tough to think, yeah. okay, I'm going to offer me food, you know, right. but you know, what's more <laughs> tough is like the, now we have the data to, to put it out there. Like it is, it's more financially viable, even for the payers to cover the food versus some of these medications that people. Yeah. Get on. I, that's a point that has occurred to me is yeah. that ultimately the payers will save money if they can get them off of medicines, yeah. statins, whatever else. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Now another, another void at this meeting, big pharma was not represented. No one from ask. the pharmaceutical industry <laughs> to the point where I actually called someone that I knew during oh, one of my you. breaks and um, someone in my personal community and he works for um, NeuroDisc. It's one of the company. It's one of the manufacturers that, um, that makes Wegovy and Ozempic. Oh, okay. So these yeah. are the GLP one classifications of drugs. They talked a lot about that. And these are once a day, once a week shots that people can take. It's been approved for obesity prevention as well as um, type two diabetes treatment. And it basically changes your body's cravings and desires for food. So yeah. essentially appetite suppressant. And I'm sure that, you know, someone in the, who sells or prescribes that drug can describe it better than me, but, um, they were not represented and that medic that medicine's really expensive, like over a thousand dollars a month. Wow. Um, and not all health plans cover it, but those that are the cost of the food is typically far less than the cost of that medication. Mm. Um, and the efficacy is, um, you know, of course the data that they shared at the food is medicine summit favored the efficacy of the food versus the medicine. I think that this, we're all, this is all very new. We don't know long-term outcomes yet, but I think everyone, um, you know, with us today on the show can agree that the long-term outcome of eating a diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables is always going to win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that uh, that's brought to my mind another question um at the conference uh do, do the do the do the payers the insurers payers what else do they require from their clients or their patients other than just taking the food are they do they require some other kind of regimens yeah. 
Great question. So it's all handled through your, um, you know, that's, that's where you would work with your medical team then at okay. that point where right. you would have measurable outcomes, um, that would then permit you for refills, um, you know, and the efficacy of it and whatnot. So that is, that's all handled by your doc, your physician, your prescribing physician, right. dietitian, and other members of your medical team. Yeah. So my, and so the insurers, your medical team, your practitioner is going to uh, monitor you and give you a broader regimen, but the insurance companies also probably want to monitor it somehow because they don't want to just give you food. If they're giving you food and you're using your food, normal food budget to go buy potato chips and ice cream, mm -hmm. you know, I'm wondering. Yeah, I guess and, it, com you know, I guess I, it comes I through all the vital, uh, you know, the, the measurements of your blood and all that right. stuff, right? Yeah. It's a great question. And really what Tony and I have learned when hosting the show, like we're going to have to come back and have additional stakeholders come back on, um, you know, mm -hmm. kind of revisit this topic yeah. because this is all very new where, right. where it's been mainstream accessible for people, um, even as, you know, just as even a preventative medicine to have access to this type of funded yeah. food food model as a, as a medical, as a health intervention, right. whether it's produce prescriptions or medically tailored meals, but the medically tailored meals, like the data surrounding that. And it's, it's very well represented and articulated in the episode on the produce moms podcast with Mark Walker. Um, but it, it's amazing. Um, and I think it just, you know, you, you send meals to people and it's, there's no prep. It's just eat this. There's, okay. you know, yeah. it's, you're, you're, you're eliminating so many of the barriers that we all have. Right. So, like so the meals are pre-cooked in some of these cases they are not a kit. It's, like the it's a thaw and serve or it's a heat yeah. and serve. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Most so programs have income thresholds. The ones I've seen have income thresholds. Some do, some don't. I mean, it's, th that's what the big, that's been a really, that's a great question, Rick. It's a, it's one of the biggest changes and why there is such a huge momentum surge right now with food as medicine, um, because your private healthcare plans are paying for it. Um, so it's, it is, you don't have to necessarily be on an income threshold. You just have to be a, it, you more than likely will qualify for it if you look. And that is one reason we're doing the one reason we're doing the series and trying to get the grassroots awareness out there you know, we at the produce moms view moms as a huge stakeholder in this movement. And frankly, a st another one of those stakeholders that really wasn't well represented at the summit, but that makes sense. I mean, yeah. by the time you engage the downstream, you really have to have the upstream buttoned up. And this movement is, is going so fast. We had some industry, you know, there was, there were other gaps like food service needs to be engaged. And before we can actually put together a concentrated effort to get consumers engaged, but the time is now go ahead and check, ask your, ask your medical provider. If, if you qualify, check with your insurance, if you qualify, chances are, um, even as a preventative in intervention, you do qualify it's, it's moved that fast And the white house conference on hunger, nutrition, and health, which took place in Q3 of 2022, that was a, that was really the big, um, you know, like that was the leap pad. That was the, that was the starting point of this movement. And we all have worked in this industry long enough to know that things in DC don't move that fast. We're not even a year into it. And we've already gotten to the point where almost everyone in, you know, every, every area of the United States has access. I can't think of anything else that we've done that, re that involves food where everyone has access in that quick of time. That's so amazing. It really, yeah, it's amazing. And was this summit the first one or I, has there been one? It was the then? second year. Second? So okay. I did not get invited last year mm -hmm. um, as a delegate. This was my first year as a delegate. And I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of reasons why we announced our partnership with Amazon Alexa recently and right. the produce moms as a brand has grown even at with a presence on shelf at grocery retail. So, um, we're, we are in a much different space this year than what we were last year. Right. So, um, I think that's probably how we earned the opportunity to come as a delegate, but I would have, I would have paid and gone last year. Had I even known about it, I did not know about it. No. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. Cynthia, so you I've had a question. Got, yeah. I've got a buddy who's a single fellow that he gets 
those uh, meals delivered, but mm-hmm. his are more like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the, uh, the breakdown of how the, um, the performance kitchen is, but it's got to be similar to that in terms of he wanted protein, carbohydrates, sure. just a balanced meal. Doing it for his like macros when he's working out and stuff like that. Well, that not only that, but so that he, you know, he knew that it was better than just having something delivered. And then even if he were to able to master how to do the, you know, some part on the grill, make the, he said, by the time he went and fetched all the stuff from the grocery store, bought it just for time wise, it didn't make sense to him. And I don't think there was that big of a, a price difference impact. In fact, taking his time, to prep the food and cook the food, it's probably less expensive to get the meals delivered. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people so would when, agree with that. Yeah. So yeah. When you're saying like the, the, uh, the, the income threshold, I think that these meals have gotten to a point of a friendly price that it's not only, it's not cost prohibitive, I guess is the point. I agree with you. I think people were paying out of pocket and there are plenty of people who are patrons of Performance Kitchen that are doing it out of pocket because they want that no-nonsense, like thoughtless approach to eating food that meets the dietary specs that they're looking for. Um, But there's definitely, there's definitely options for a lot of folks, especially if they are you know, if they have a health history within their family or if they themselves are at risk, um, there's a real good chance that they qualify for, for, for the medically tailored meals benefit from their private health care. Very interesting. This, this is exciting to hear and uh, really exciting to hear you talk about how fast it's moving. You know, I remembered, uh, I didn't go to the summit in Washington, but I was well aware of it and followed as it was happening. I haven't really checked in much since then but it's great to hear that it's moving that fast and that effective i have a friend here uh who's was a cardiologist for 20 years and he left his practice because he said i realized i wasn't practicing health care i was practicing sick care mm. we had him on as a guest last year and yeah. he's doing something very similar uh working with some food companies uh to um to it is more of a localized thing, but yeah. And also working with some companies. So I want to touch base with him and uh, see yeah, what he, he would probably have a great perspective on this topic. And, yeah. you know, one of our guests on the mini series was Dr. Robert Graham. Um, he's also known as chef Robert Graham MD because he okay. actually went to culinary school. Oh, um, after he, yes, after he became a doctor realizing, you know, he was, prescribing too many pills and not enough, you know, promoting yeah. the, I mean, it, yeah. yes, food that, is medicine. That, but... Yeah, exactly. Well, that, you know, the, it, it, he says this, I'm not going to go on record to trash the whole medical industry. And he doesn't either. He realizes no. the place for it, but you know, he said, basically we, we were in the business to get re- repeat customers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, ultimately, yeah. that's what the system is so, designed to do. It's not designed to heal. It's designed to keep the customers coming back. <laughs> so, yeah. And you know what, Edwin, I think that I think we do need to engage the pharmaceutical industry absolutely. as a stakeholder in the food is medicine movement. Right. Um, that's why I stepped away as a delegate and called my friend whose job is, you know, sales of GLP ones. And I was like, do you know anything about this summit? Are you on purpose? Not here? Like what's going on? All the data, of course, if you are looking at it from a journalistic approach, it's like, okay, there's one side of the story being told. I definitely agree with that side of the story, but (laughs) I do think it's important to have that representation um, and the engagement the same way you're seeing companies like huge companies like Mandela's who makes a bunch of, a bunch of money off of selling Oreos. They're also starting to buy healthier for you product lines and bring them into their portfolio, such as like the perfect bar, you know, mm. that's it's same things happening with PepsiCo and all the other big food companies. Right. They are looking for ways to balance some of their flagship money makers with better for you options. Yeah. They're buying up some produce have, companies too. I think Pepsi or Coke. Coke just bought some, one of the produce brands recently. I can't remember which one. Well, I think that they were, they're definitely engaged with a licensing deal with, uh, 
I forget wh- which grower it is. One of the one of the grape and citrus growers. They're doing yeah, it like was just announced recently, and it yeah. slipped out of my head. Cynthia, I'm sorry, yeah. I, I cut you no, off. Did, uh, did, did what was his rebuttal, your friend? He was glad I called. He was like, I think that we would be there if we knew about it. Oh, okay. So he, yeah. And and Chicago was his territory. So he's like, I would have been there, you know? (laughs) Um, but he's, you know, he, he did say the same thing that anyone in pharmaceutical, like, you know, Hey, we've tested these drugs. Like they're not, they're not going to, they, they do have lasting effects. Um, you know, and they are a great intervention and, but it was, it was definitely a, a hot topic was GLP ones versus food as a means yeah. to, as a means to make America healthier. Um, well, a lot world. of those drugs are developed from natural ingredients, right? They, yeah, they, I, they realize that, uh, you know, you know, garlic or ginger has some special, uh, uh, substance in it and then they go try to create a pill out of it so. yeah i don't know i studied <laughs> spanish in college and i've been you know moving hustling produce and cooking since then so i right. i talked to someone with a with who's a biologist or a chemist i am yeah. not that person to answer that question but um i think you know just the remarks you had at the opening of the show like this is not a novel you know new concept this concept is almost as old as mankind, um, you know, let food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food. That's, you know, but at the same time, and this is something also that I love about our episode with Kroger food is also meant to be really celebratory in our lives. Like I don't, and, and that was, that was Kroger's response when I asked them or the representative from Kroger, when I asked her like, Hey, like, how is this not a conflict with, what you're selling in the bakery or what you're selling on aisle 14, you know, and great questions. Yeah. She's like, it's not a conflict because we believe that food is meant to be enjoyed, but that doesn't mean, and that doesn't mean that you have to take out birthday cake when you're celebrating your birthday, you know, but what that does mean is now here's some additional programs that are going to make the the best for you category foods fruits and vegetables more accessible and not just work on food security but actual nutrition security throughout america yeah that celebratory aspect of eating sitting down at a meal with friends and family that's a big health benefit in its in its own but uh and most all of these major retailers have dietitians on their staff yeah and And i actually through this i actually scheduled my very first ever appointment with a dietitian um i have never taken i've i had no idea what the user experience or the or the patient experience was when you make an appointment with a retail dietitian so i was like oh my gosh i need to do that and so Mm. after interviewing um taylor newman on for this mini series, she's director of nutrition for Kroger. I told her and live in the episode, I was like, okay, I'm scheduling an appointment with Kroger dietitian. I did. And it was phenomenal. And I'm like, I think I'm going to keep this going. Yeah. So do they have them in, in locally in the stores as well? The dietitians? Uh, Mine was telehealth. And, you know, I think that that's also another one of those things, like that's been really normalized where people, you know, it's not like what I'm doing a telehealth appointment. That's, you know, how can I, how can a doctor treat me over the phone or over the internet? (laughs) Right. So, um, but yeah, it was, I, I felt like it was a great experience and I actually, my high school son, um, I'm making him an appointment. He has different goals than I do as it relates to what he's putting in his body. He's wanting I know, to. I know one of his goals. He wants to play basketball at Duke. Yes. Yeah, well, he'd love to play at Duke, right? Um, I think we'd probably, yeah. he's 15. He's like six foot six and a half. But I think Are that if serious? he was. serious? Wow. Yeah, he's tall. He's real tall. Oh, man. And he's, he's still young. But um, I don't know. Never say never. But I kind of feel like if he was. Uh, Duke caliber, we'd probably already know. Um, but you know, I, I, I still, we, I've got my blue devil's cup here. <laughs> there you go. We'll talk about that uh, we'll, 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 so before you sign off. But... What would the dietitian say about what did you discuss? Like your just, you yeah, say? just for me, it was, you know, too quick to fatigue. I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm too tired all the time. Um, and then I also, would always like, I'm always in the camp of like, I'd like to lose weight. I'd like to look and feel better. Um, and then 
also some of, there's just a lot of different noise that you hear out there. Like, am I doing my body favors by fasting or should I look into like, am I doing myself justice by not eating until 1 PM, which is like what I've done for the last year and a half, almost, if not longer. When you're running a business, sometimes you just can't eat before that. Yeah. I mean, it really hasn't been on purpose. It's just yeah, kind right. of like, it's like, oh, well, I guess I just don't yeah. eat breakfast anymore. Yeah. And, um, and so those were all some of the questions that I asked. And then, you know, yes, of course, I always have weight loss goals. Like I'm 42 year old woman who, you know, I definitely want to look better. So I, those were all part of the discussions that I had with, with the dietitian. It was a really positive experience. And I also asked her questions too, about things like, you know, I don't need a dietitian to tell me that a fruit or a vegetable is a good choice. I, mm -hmm. I don't need that, but little things like I buy cliff bars. I like how they taste. I've yep. been conditioned to think that they're a healthy choice. Is this the right choice for me? Or should I, with, you know, the health stats that she had access to and the goals that I was telling her, like, is there a better easy grab and go bar that I should be eating? That's where I could, that's where I really felt the benefit of, yeah. of the telehealth appointment. They were able to kind of break down some of the processed foods for me to help me understand, like, here's the best option for your nutritional needs. Interesting. It's very interesting about the food prescriptions. I know I'm, I'm on Medicare and my Medicare supplement gives me and my wife a free health club membership. So we're able to go and do our workout with no additional. That's charge. amazing. Good. That's what hundred dollars a month. And together we only pay 200 a month to supplement, but a hundred of yeah. it is just for the gym membership. And I have seen some Medicare things about the food prescriptions, but it always has to do with how much money you make. Yeah. Well, and I think Medicare, that, you know, Medicare. maybe look and see if um, they're constantly evolving. It's a very hot topic, as you can imagine, with not just the, you know, it, it's a, it's a point of discussion in DC, but it's also a huge point of discussion, even with the business negotiations that are taking place with the private payers. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, I was blown away with how much I, um, I, even through our medical plan that I had access to. Hmm. And you have a private, is yours private? It's not government. Yeah, it's through my yeah. husband's work. So okay. my husband works for Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh. Um, so we have pretty good benefits. I mean, they're a Fortune 500 company, yeah, big, company. big company. Um, And so I've been able to, yeah, I mean, we haven't really taken advantage of it, but I probably should just to understand right. the... Well, those yeah. income thresholds are, I'm certain, certainly with any kind of government funded program like Medicare, it probably would be there, but in private, if you have a private insurance, you should check it out, I guess. So yeah, well, this has been fascinating. We would talk all day, but I know you have to go on to other things and we should too, but I want people to go visit theproducemoms.com. There's a lot of great info there. And I, you know, and, and even if you're not a mom, I find a lot of helpful information there. So it's not just for moms. There's a lot of great stuff there. There's some educational materials, speaking of the moms and maybe the dads too. More dads are in the home now to, you know, full-time yeah. dads uh, for kids to learn about fruits and vegetables. A lot of fun ways. He's got a lot of interesting things there. And you need to listen to the podcast for sure, because that's some very helpful information. Uh, that you'll Thank get you. and you'll be inspired by it. So. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. We actually just wrapped up food as medicine as our theme and we're moving forward now for the remainder of July and most of August, we're talking about superfoods. So like, Oh, okay. All sorts of like, not necessarily like blueberries and pomegranates, things that people have a really good understanding of, but we're really diving into some things that are trending like babal fruit and manuka honey and oh. really diving into all these other foods that are being marketed to us as almost like miraculous foods for different right. properties. And so that's what we're talking about right now on the podcast. We'd love to have you join us. Okay. Fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's been a lot of fun as always. You always are so knowledgeable and inspiring. Uh, so uh, thanks for coming back and joining us. And it's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me. It's so nice to spend some time with all of you. Yeah. I hope we see you at uh, one of the conferences coming up sometime. If you attend, yes. we, we tend to cross paths occasionally. 
But what about basketball? We can't, we're big AC. Well, Rick and I grew up in <laughs> ACC country. So we, I have to ask you, you know, a little bit. About, I, well, I'm you know. always happy to talk basketball. <laughs> um, you know, and it, there's, I'm, I'm learning the, I'm learning the, how to support a 15 year old who has a desire to play <laughs> D one basketball. It takes a lot of work. I'm driving oh, my, yeah. it's crazy. driving him all over the city to work out with different trainers and former Is he pro in players. The AAU? Is he joined He's that? playing AAU. Oh, yeah. Him. All of the things. And he was a multi-sport athlete going into his sophomore year. He's just focusing on basketball. Cause it really is Good like, if that's your goal, you're going to have to be working every single day at that one goal. Yeah. You know, one thing that we've really tried to embrace this, this summer has been nutrition. You know, like when you evaluate right. your entire preparation plan and your, you know, what is, what could be uh, a missing link to your success. And yeah. so to get a 15 year old to think about nutrition, a 15 year old boy to think about nutrition <laughs> as, uh, you know, a, a performance and, and critical part of his goals. It's been a lot of fun for me as his mom, but, um, yeah. a challenge nonetheless. I mean, right. there's not a whole lot about teenage <laughs> food culture. That's real favorable to nutrition. No, so. <laughs> no. But those successful, they, they just, they just had the draft NBA draft and there were twins that were chosen in the top five. Wasn't that amazing? We yeah, watched, they, we tuned they, in. They talked about nutrition. I don't know if you caught that. I saw one interview with them where they were talking about, you well, know, from a very early age. And I kept were, nudging my kids. I'm like, see how all. <laughs> All these, all these, um, boys are, are thanking their mom as they're sitting on the, on the couch. <laughs> that's right. That, that's the person like, they always I, think I, first. They think mom. Um, but no, it was, it, that was, it was a great draft and there were a lot of great messages, you know, yeah. a lot of moments where I was telling my kids, I hope you heard what he said or <laughs> what great. he think. Yeah. Great of course the outfits were wild. Once again, Grady Dick's, uh, red sparkly jacket. Oh was, man. Yeah. <laughs> The bling was everywhere. Yes. Anyway, the drip. That's yeah. what the boys call <laughs> the it. Drip the drip. Now. Oh, not the yeah. bling. I'm outdated already. I thought I was mm -hmm. being hip. I know you need to go. Thank you so much, Lori. It's been Thank such a you. pleasure. Yes. So good to see you all. Have a great day. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. -bye. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Produce Buzzers podcast, brought to you by Produce Buzz gathering place for lovers of fresh fruits and veggies. We hope you were entertained a bit and educated a lot about fresh produce. Be sure to join us next time and please tell your friends to do so as well. Like, share, and comment on our Produce Buzz Facebook page and check out our website at www.producebuzz.com. There you will find articles about fresh fruits and veggies how to select, store, and prepare them, as well as lots of interesting facts about all the wonderful bounty the earth provides for us. Until next time, be fruitful, and don't forget to veg out.